I had, you know, seen a bunch of different doctors, tried a bunch of different medications, wasn't getting any better. And I, I slowly came to grips with the idea that like, okay, maybe something I'm eating is causing this. Overall, protein needs are overstated. Dealing with a lot of the sickest of the sick that I do, it's become more and more imperative that in addition to diet work, we do the emotional work to get these people well. Genetic predisposition is by and large a farce. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the podcast Perspective of the Mind. If one of your goals for the next year is to get healthier and to improve your way of eating, maybe this episode is especially for you. I'm going to introduce to you Dr. Benjamin Benulis. He holds a Doctor of Chiropractic degree and he completed clinical perceptorship focused on healing chronic disease through healthy eating and supervised fasting. He reversed his autoimmune disease through healthy eating and changing the lifestyle. And now he is helping the others to do the same. I hope you're going to enjoy this conversation. Hello, Dr. Ben. It's a pleasure to have you as a guest on my podcast. It's been a while since we wanted to record this interview, but our time schedules didn't really fit. But here we are, and I'm so excited about this conversation. You're very welcome. Oh, yeah, I'm very glad to be here. I know it was a lot of churn to finally, like, get a time dialed in. And, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful to be here. So thanks for having me. And by the way, what a, what a good timing for recording, like, a healthy eating episode after Christmas season with family gathering and food and a lot of food. Did you break your healthy eating habits during the festive season? No, no, I don't. Yeah, that's impressive, by the way, especially if you have been around people who don't eat the way you do. That's that's impressive. I have the um, the good fortune of having the word doctor in front of my name. Mm -hmm. And so people just know it's like that's what Dr. Ben does. Like he brings his own food and he eats it. And that's just how it is. And it's been happening so long that I don't really get too many questions about it. Perfect. People respect your choices, which is great. Okay, for those who are meeting you for the first time, I would like to mention that you are advocate for raw vegan diet. And it's not diet, but I would say more like lifestyle, right? I'm yeah. going to challenge just a little bit your perspective, not necessarily because I don't believe in it, but, you know, like critical thinking to a certain degree is always healthy. And honestly, I'm doubting a little bit that one size fits all exists but maybe after this conversation i'll be convinced in the opposite so firstly let's start with the basic dr ben why raw vegan not vegetarian not pescatarian not vegan but raw vegan how how did it come and i guess it wasn't an easy choice for for a man for men it's a little bit always difficult to uh, change the diet without meat right so what was the reason what was the reason? Well, you know, I wasn't too happy about it at the time, but I was suffering with really bad health issues, chronic fatigue, uh, chronic muscle pain, uh, eczema on my hands, brain fog, really bad digestive issues that, you know, almost everything I ate was inflammatory and, 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 and made these issues worse. And I didn't realize it. And I had 
you know, seen a bunch of different doctors, tried a bunch of different medications, wasn't getting any better. And I, I slowly came to grips with the idea that like, okay, maybe something I'm eating is causing this. And it wasn't something that I wanted to do, but nothing else was working. And I was slowly getting worse and worse and sicker and sicker. And so I was, you know, as we say in America, painted into a corner and uh, <laughs> I had no other choice but to change my diet. And, and really, I started that there was never any intention of, you know, being raw vegan. It was just like, OK, well, I think these fruits and vegetables I, I heard they're supposed to be good for you. And, you know, at the time I was eating mostly microwave food. And so, you know, it was very, very simple to do. It didn't require a lot of cooking skill. It was, you know, you open the microwave, you put the food inside, you close the door of the microwave, you hit the button, and then a minute later, the food's ready. Well, it turns out a blender works very similar. You open up the blender, you throw the fruits and vegetables in, you close the blender, you hit the button, and a minute later, your food's ready, <laughs> right? So I just thought like, okay, well, this is like the lazy way to eat healthy, right? Um and uh and that's pretty much where i got started and i found that you know when i drank smoothies with which mm -hmm. whatever produce i had kicking around it didn't always taste the best but it, i always felt better it didn't bother my stomach i started to notice that like you know i had more energy and my body hurt less and things like that and so that was kind of the jumping off point um i had never heard the term raw vegan or anything like that i was just trying to eat stuff that wouldn't make me feel like hell. Uh, um, so that was kind of the genesis of it. And then as I, you know, got more into it and started like looking up recipes on the internet, I, I, I stumbled and again, kind of backdoored into all of this stuff by accident. And there isn't, uh, there isn't a better proof that something is working than trying it on ourselves, right? And seeing that it really works. And it was obviously the right decision for your health because you reversed your autoimmune disease, right? And you're pretty healthy right now. So obviously it is still the right, the right uh, choice. But my question is, how are you so convinced that it is the right way of eating for everybody? I told you that I'll challenge a little bit. Because sure. you know, every, everybody is different, right? And the uniqueness of each individual's body arises from so many components, environmental, right, genetic, and so on. So isn't it like a prerequisite that our healthy diet also can be different? What is your take on that? That's a good question. And, and I think there was a point in time when I believed it was right for everybody. And slowly over the years, I've come to realize that it's just not. Before we continue, I would like to ask you to subscribe for this channel so that you can get notified every time I upload a new interview. Thank you for the support. Um, because number one, not everybody wants to do everything it takes to get optimal health. A lot of people would rather live suboptimally and, you know, enjoy the McDonald's or whatever. Um, and so I really thought I could help everybody. And, and I come to realize over time, it's like, it's a smaller and smaller segment of the population who are willing to do what it takes now with the specificity of raw foods yeah there are some people who because they have you know um certain issues they've had like parts of their intestines taken out or um you know just just things in their life that have happened to them that make it very hard for them to even digest simple raw fruits and vegetables mm -hmm. it might not be the best um 
But, you know, is every human unique? Yes, to some degree. But, you know, 99.9% of our DNA is the same. So I think it, it, it is the optimal diet for humans. Um, but, you know, now we live in a world where there's lots of food allergies. There's people that have had, you know, these complex surgeries and, and like toxic chemicals injected in their body that, you know, inhibits their ability to properly digest fruits and vegetables. So, you know, it, it may not be right for those people, but I think it's overall, even if it's not like a fully raw vegan diet, like fruits and vegetables should be the, you know, the, the, the primary staples, the vast majority of the volume of food consumed. Mm -hmm. Got it. And my next question is connected with uh, like a question that a lot of meat eating people will have. Guess what it is? Uh, I think it's one of the macronutrients. I don't know if it's carbs, fat, or protein, but I think it's one of them. <laughs> it is about proteins, yeah. How <laughs> you got it right? How much protein do ex uh, do we need exactly per day? And honestly, I I made the research online and I saw different information. So I I want know you and people with a little bit of numbers. But Harvard Health says that we need zero point eight gram protein per kilo of body weight per day. On the other side, like the American Center for Disease Control and Prevention comes with exact numbers. Women aged 90, 70, they need 70 plus, uh, 46 gram per day. Men aged 19, 70 plus, 56 grams. And the book China Study, which definitely changed my, my life and I really recommend it, advocates for far less than that. So how much do we need? What, what is what is your opinion on that? Uh, I think that's a great question. Uh, I can say that personally, I consume about five to ten percent of calories from protein at about three thousand calories a day. So that's um, that's what like I don't know the I don't know the math in grams because I tend to think in terms of like um, in terms of like percentage of calories rather than like grams but i imagine it's probably less than 50 a day is what i consume and that's you know um you know i weigh uh, 180 pounds i'm eight, six foot one i'm you know lean muscle i'm able to to um you know do things like one arm push-ups muscle ups i can dead deadlift close to double my body weight um which is not not bad at 42 years old um so i think that overall protein needs are overstated I think that, um, you know, I think the China study is one of probably the best um, studies for that because it is a huge epidemiologic study of, you know, hundreds of thousands of data points of, of hundreds of thousands of people. Um, and they showed that like the higher the protein intake, like the greater the chance of chronic disease. And I think that um, there's this tendency that when you are selling a certain product, you find, oh, okay, what is it high in? And then you say, oh, it's high in this. So you need to get a lot of that, right? Like, oh, there's a lot of calcium in milk. So it must be good for you. You must need calcium because of the presupposition that milk is good for you. But they just want to look at like, they don't want to look at the fact that like, you know, it's high in like animal estrogens and cholesterol and saturated fats and lactose and all these things that really do harm in the human body in large quantities um so it's like oh meat well it's high in protein and you must need meat because you just must need it 
So protein you must need, right? And it's it's this like, it, and, and it became this like meme within our society of like, oh, you, you must need it, right? But then when we look at the data, it actually turns out that like, um, you know, the, the more you consume, like the worse your health outcome long-term. And, and, and what's interesting is that Colin Campbell, the one who designed the China study and did the China study, originally was studying protein to show that, oh, you do need it. And then he did these studies and he found out that like, oh, wait, actually the people that are consuming the most have the most cancer and the most chronic disease. That yeah. wasn't supposed to happen, right? Um, so I think overall, you know, it's, it's a big meme. It's a big myth in our society um, that you, you need a bunch of it um, when in fact, you know, like the overconsumption of it is fueling this chronic disease epidemic. Now there are, you know, obviously like plant-based and vegan bodybuilders and, and big guys. Um, and they of course eat a lot of protein, but they also just eat a lot of calories, right? Like in order to do that with your body, in order to put on mass, in order to, um, exercise at a very high level, like you need a lot of fuel, you need to be eating a lot of food. Um, and so really the proportions don't change. It's just the quantity does. And so the amount of protein goes up because, you know, 5% of calories is 5% of calories, whether it's a thousand calories or 5,000 calories. But even if we accept, let's say that the needed protein intake per day is less than the, what the resources I have mentioned say, isn't it difficult to get it only for, from raw fruits and veggies? Because let's say that I, I will again just give some numbers. One tomato contains around one gram, one mango around 1.5 grams. So it like the amount that you eat and like people who are on those that like should be a lot. Sure. Sure. And so if a mango contains a gram and a half of protein, well, you know, theoretically to get enough calories, if, if you know, if a mango is, is um, 100 calories, I'm going to need to eat you know, 30 in a day mm -hmm. to get, um, to get enough calories. And then I eat 30 times 1.5. That's 45 grams of protein. That's about how much protein I get. So, um, it, it works out. I think with fruits and vegetables, most people are so used to like eating small quantities, like, Oh, I'm just going to have like a bag of carrot sticks or I'm going to eat like an apple with my ham sandwich. It's like when you're eating a, a plant-based diet, specifically a raw vegan diet, you're eating a lot. Like you're mm -hmm. eating a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, you know, people go on my Instagram, they can see videos of me eating, you know, yes. 12 mangoes in a sitting. Um, so, but, you know, it's like one, one, you know, hamburger from McDonald's is this big and it might have a thousand calories in it. But, you know, if you eat this, this is one mango, right? And that's like a hundred calories. So you need to eat a bigger volume in order to get the, like the, the equivalent calories, which means that you're, you're end up eating like actually quite a fair amount of protein. Yeah. I think it's very important here to mention that if somebody decides to go on such a diet, they have to increase the number of eating of vegetables and fruits. Okay. Yes. And what do you, what do you think about the cooked food? Not the processed one. We, I, I think most of us will agree that processed food is like, it's not healthy. But how about the cooked food? In your book that is called Create Health, Reverse Autoimmune Disease, you say that most cook, I'm, I'm quoting you, most cook protein, the body is unable to fully digest or use. And when you cook food, you derange or destroy many of the nutrients. 
Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Sure. So, so I think it, it, it's the word cooked food is really a big um, spectrum of things, right? Um, because there's a big difference between like baking a sweet potato versus like cooking a steak, right? Like they're very <laughs> one's animal foods, one's plant foods, one's a vegetable, one's a meat. Um, uh, so, so just to mention, we are talking here about cooking of the plant-based food. Okay. Okay. Um, so if we're talking about cooked whole plant foods, yes, we are deranging and, and destroying some of the nutrients, some of the nutrients, not all of them, some of them, right? Okay. So is, 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 is are raw foods going to be more optimal because that hasn't been done to them? Yes. Uh, are you destroying like a vast quantity of, um, of the nutrients? Probably not. I've seen plenty of people reverse um, all kinds of conditions consuming a lot of cooked whole plant foods. So um, I don't see it as like a bad thing. It's just like, okay, you know, there's levels of optimum and it just happens to be like the <laughs> second level. Um, so I, I think that there is a lot of dogma in the raw food world that like all cooked food is bad. And it's like, listen, I've seen people like who couldn't walk come to True North Health Clinic. They're, they just had a stroke. They're on a cane. They're like, you know, and they're just there for seven days. They eat the food, right? Which is, you know, some raw and some mm -hmm. cooked, like SOS free plant-based food. And within seven days, they look like they never had a stroke and they're walking normal and they're, they're like, their abilities are back. Um, did they need to I eat raw, all raw food to do that? No. Um, so I, and I think like, you can definitely get results. Um, and, you know, I have a lot of clients who, you know, they, they, uh, like they can't always sustain all raw food. So I have them, I give them options of like, you know, mm -hmm. what, what cooked foods to, to, to fall back onto and they still reverse diseases and get results. So, mm -hmm. um, so some of it depends on your outcome. If it's like, I just want to be a hundred percent raw foodist. So I say I am like, okay, do that. But like, you know, it's like, what are your, what, like, it, it's going to depend individually on like what, what someone's goals are. Um, and I wouldn't really advise eating hundred percent raw foods just for the sake of it. Um, it's not really going to be a, a sustainable strategy. You usually have some outcome or something you want to get out of it. Um, so I feel like I'm, I'm rambling at this point, but, um, I would say that like, you know, there is a, a margin of difference between the two, but most of the times it's negligible enough that you can still get great outcomes. Um, you know, consuming, you know, well, you know, cooked whole plant foods. Mm -hmm. And something, something else about the cooked food. I, I think cooked food is easier to be digested, right? And I'm hearing some people saying that when they eat raw fruits and vegetables, they have problems with the stomach. So how about that? Sure. Um, that, that's a nuanced topic. So some people just have like mechanical um you know digestive problems like people who um if they get some, like a surgery like a hysterectomy that that can like cause the scarring in the connective tissue in the lower abdomen and that can pull on the um on the intestines and 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 basically cause like a, a ripple effect in the connective tissue that makes their just their digestion function much less optimally and those people can um can have a really hard time uh, digesting raw foods. 
Um, so I, I think that, um, it's, it's not always necessarily like one digest better than the other. Um, I think that for some people it's like, they really have a hard time if the fiber is, isn't cooked, you know, like ideally in, in, in someone who hasn't had any, any, anything like that happen to them, like the, the raw food should be easier to digest as long as it's ripe, as long as it's fresh and ripe. If it's not ripe, you know, or if it's like, um, it hasn't been, you know, it's got picked too early and never ripened. Um, it's, it's going to be hard to digest because there's still a lot of, um, uh, fibers like, uh, um, polysaccharides that haven't turned to simple sugars that are just tough to digest in the human body. Um, and then of course there are certain raw foods like, um, cruciferous vegetables, broccoli, kale that have a lot of insoluble fiber that, yeah, they're tough to digest. And so cooking them will make them easier to digest, but it's probably stuff that just like, you know, like shouldn't be eaten raw. Um, I mean, there's, there's, there's certain things that, you know, if you eat it raw, like it's like rhubarb, it's going to like really have nasty effects on you. Um, so it's like, then it becomes the question, well, should you be eating it at all? If you're only supposed to, you can only consume it cooked, you know? Um, well, that's, that's, that's interesting, right? Cause something like meat, you know, humans have to cook it. There's a danger of consuming it raw versus, uh, an animal like a dog, an omnivore or a carnivore only consumes raw meat and their body processes it so fast. It doesn't have time to cause them issues. Um, so, you know, does, does cooked food digest better than raw food? I think it depends on the cooked food and I think it depends on the raw food. And that's maybe not the answer you're looking for. And also depends who is the, who is the person, right? Yes. So everything yeah. should be taken into consideration. So we, maybe we have to mention Dr. Ben, that if somebody decides to go on a, you know, vegan diet or even vegetarian, they have to really make it properly because otherwise it can be dangerous, right? And yeah, I mean, if you can eat, a, you know, a vegetarian diet and, you know, eat pizza and veggie burgers every day. It's processed food, right? So mm -hmm. we say to make it right, like it, it, it just has to be whole foods. It has to be, um, mm -hmm. you know, unprocessed food. So, um, really that's, that's the caveat necessarily because you can really plan out a vegan or vegetarian diet full of processed foods. So planned out doesn't, you know, obviously it helps to like, you know, think ahead about what you're doing and grow grocery shopping. Um, but it, it, it's the, 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 uh, the caveat is really that it's whole unprocessed foods versus processed foods. Yes, exactly. Now I'm switching a little bit the topic. It is frustrating to me that the medicine is so highly developed nowadays and still the rates of disease is increasing. I have looked at the data about the estimation of the new cancer cases in the United States from 2015 to 2023. And I can tell you that the numbers are increasing with every year. Mm -hmm. In 2015, like the numbers, the number was 1,658,000, something like that. And 2030 is almost 2 million. So it's it's really increasing. W what's the reason for that? Our lifestyles are becoming increasingly unhealthier. 
our environment is becoming increasingly more toxic. Um, and, and so like, it's, we're just, we're just losing a battle in that way. Um, we're, you know, when I like, we're exposed to more chemicals, we're exposed to more radiation. Um, you know, we're, we're, um, you know, we're getting more unhealthier in terms of like, we're more sedentary, we're, we're exercising less, we are um, sleeping, not not as well, especially with like, you know, I'm talking to you from a little glowing rectangle, it's not really healthy to be spending a lot of time looking at one of these things. Mm -hmm. uh, and so and you know, we continue to see this thing where like, healthy food becomes more and more price restrictive. Meanwhile, governments tend continue to subsidize cheap, unhealthy food. Um, so there's a lot of variables working against people. And then, of course, the treatments that they do. So another thing that another reason that um, that uh, cases are increasing is because there's more and more early detection. They're doing more and more tests to find catch it early, catch it early detection. Right. And then they can say, oh, well, there's more cases. Oh, you, we've detected cancer in you. Now we need to treat you, right? And so if they're doing more and more screenings for it and more detection, every time they have to run a test on somebody, that's a doctor's appointment, that's a test they got to run, the medical system makes more money, right? And then when the test is positive and you're diagnosed with cancer, well, then that's more treatment. And, and then that, that the system makes more money, right? Um, so it's in their best interest have to, to, to try to check as many people as they can and find it as many people as they can so they can treat it. And then with a lot of these like really benign cancers that are what's called self-limiting, they go away on their own um, or they're not that bad and the body, you know, wards them off. Well, then they can say, oh, well, more people are surviving cancer, right? No, no, no. You're just, you're just like, you're just doing more and more screenings for and finding more and more like non-lethal cancers in people and then saying, oh, cases are up, but survival rates up too. No, it's, it's just, it's just a scam to like run more and more tests and make money testing more people um, and trying to, trying to get out there and find it so you can treat it and make money because looking for it and treating it both makes a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so those numbers to some degree are inflated purposefully. They're trying to find more cases so they can treat more people and sell more drugs and, and sell more diagnostics. And do you think that our mental state also influences our health? Some of the people in the psychological area will say that our like everything is psychosomatic, that our diseases are created by our mind and our mind is the one that can heal our diseases. And there is nothing so much connected with the eating. What do you think about that? I think that both are important. Both play a role. Yeah. And I think it's unwise to say it's only food or it's only emotion. Mm -hmm. um, because yes, have there people who continue to eat crap and have just gotten their heads right and been able to heal? Yes, absolutely. Are there people who eat like the perfect raw vegan diet and have like the worst mental attitude and the like the worst thought patterns, the worst negative thought loops and like, you know, don't don't exercise, don't sleep well. Um, have a bunch of other unhealthy lifestyle habits and, and they don't get better. Yes, absolutely. Um, it, 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 it needs to be both table stakes is both. I have in my book, I go over ways to work on your emotional health and dealing with a lot of the sickest of the sick that I do 
it's become more and more imperative that um, in addition to diet work, we do the emotional work to get these people well, that it, it, it for most people, it, it has to be both. You have to work on your healing at the emotional level, as well as the like the, the physical level with with the diet. So, um, you know, can you do it with only one of them? Yes, some people have pulled that off. But, you know, if you want to give yourself the best shot, the best chances of actually getting success, you got to do both. Exactly. I cannot agree more with that. We have like mind, body, spirit, and we have to take care of the three, the three com- components. Let's talk a, li- a little bit about the role of the genetic pre- predisposition uh, to diseases. What role our genes play for developing a, a certain disease? You know, this is a good question. And the longer I go along, I, I think that um, genetic predisposition is by and large a farce. I think there are, yes, there are some diseases that are absolutely caused by your genes. You know, um, if you want to call it a disease, something like Down syndrome, it's caused by having an extra chromosome. Like that is genetic. You like, um, and you know, there are, you know, there are definitely certain rare, you know, genetic diseases. Um, But for something like rheumatoid arthritis, you know, they say that it's genetic and there's this marker called rheumatoid factor. And there are these genes that can predispose you for different um, autoimmune diseases, but you can still get the disease without having the gene, and you can have the um, the gene uh, without having the disease. So I think that that um, DNA and our chromosomes is a very dynamic thing, and we see it as a static map of like, okay, this is your blueprint of your life, you know. Um, but it doesn't function that way. Um, our lifestyle choices and things in our environment can activate and deactivate certain genes. So mm-hmm. um, this idea that it's the static map and it's your fate and it's like your tarot cards is is, is very two-dimensional, right? Um, it, 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 it's simply much more dynamic and complex than that. And genes can be turned off and turned on. So at that point, is it is it really genetic? No, there's just codings in your system for some of these things and and that code can be activated or inactivated based on certain factors and it generally turns out that the more healthy a lifestyle you live the more likely you're going to turn on the good genes and turn off the bad ones um so so um i think that i i hope that's a good explanation there but it's much more nuanced than something's either genetic or it's not i by the way i really recommend the book uh the power of belief by Dr. Bruce Lipton, I although he his work faces criticism, he made revolutionary discoveries. The two dimensional model of things of oh, you just have this genetic code, you have this DNA, and it maps out everything, and it's going to tell you what diseases you're going to get, is a very great way to sell a lot of drugs, because then you can just you can just basically commoditize the entire human and say oh okay, I found this and this. These are the things that are wrong with you, and now I'm going to develop things to fix that. Um, and so the pharmaceutical model likes that because it's, it's a really simple, like black and white quid pro quo way of, of generating drugs and like generating problems and then generating a profitable solution to them. Um, but unfortunately the human organism is much more complex and someone like Bruce Lipton, I really love his work. Anybody who says that anything that goes against the orthodoxy, especially some very like 
flat two-dimensional orthodoxy about the human genome is of course going to face criticism, especially when it's a threat to, you know, profit centers. So, um, <laughs> I think any good information, any, any, any truth is, is, is going to face a lot of criticism. And yeah. so I, I don't see, um, you know, that being deterring me from, from checking into it. And Dr. Ben, I guess a lot of people realize that eating more, more fruits and veggies, that's the healthier way, but it's not that easy to follow. So no, what, 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 what advice would you give to those people? Um, you know, that, that, you know, the current food system is designed for profit for large corporations. It's not designed for health of human beings. Um, you know, like you can't expect like the world to just do it for you, just as the way you can't expect the world to, to earn you a living, right? Like if you want to make money, you have to work for it, right? Well, if you want health, you have to work for it. You're not entitled to it. Um, this idea of universal health care is, is really bizarre, right? That like you can just screw up your health and someone else is going to pay to fix it. Um, you know, it's, it's just the idea of like, well, if you screw up all your finances, someone is going to come bail you out. Um, you know, do people need help? Of course. Right. Um, but generally speaking, uh, it's some, it, 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 it's not something you're entitled to. It's something that you have to work for and the world isn't designed for you to have it. Um, and so in that case, you're going to have to, you know, take action, make sacrifices, prioritize things. And if you prioritize your health above other things, you, you know, you, you, you'll see results with it, but, um, you know, no, it's certainly not easy, but you, you know, what I do is, um, people think that like, Oh, Dr. Ben has all this discipline. And to some degree, that's not really true. What I have are just good habits I've developed over time and systems that allow me to, you know, enable those habits. Like last night I prepared all my food for the day and I put it in a cooler and I have a smoothie and I have a melon in there and I have some pomegranates and I have enough food to get me through most of the day till I get home. Um, you know, that was work that I had to do. I had to go to the grocery store and buy those things in advance. And then I had to pr prepare them the night before at home. And then I had to have a cooler to put them in. And, and there were action steps that I had to take. I didn't just show up at the McDonald's and say, Oh, do you have a blueberry banana smoothie? Cause they would have been like, no, we got a, we got a big Mac. Right. Um, <laughs> so so it, it, it's, it's not easy. Um, but you know, there's a ancient Greek saying kalepatakala, which means not without labor. So, uh, <laughs> that, which is worthwhile is, is difficult to achieve, takes work to achieve. So no, it's, it's not easy. I, I'll be the first to say that, but it's worth it to put in the work. I'll tell you that it's absolutely worth it to, to do, do the things needed to, um, to do it because the results are, are freaking worth it. Yeah, Exactly. And what do you think about the supplements? I think you're not a huge advocate for that. Uh, no, I think that, you know, there are certain supplements that uh, are necessary, like, you know, probably vitamin B12. You know, the more D? I read about vitamin D supplementation, the less I'm a fan. Uh, that's a whole nother rabbit hole. Um, but I think, you know, a lot of the time supplements are used as just sort of um, as like a quick fix. Right. And I and I deal with a lot of people who have autoimmune issues um, who go see a uh, another practitioner that, you know, maybe they're a Western doctor, maybe they're functional medicine, maybe they're they're natural ish. And instead of really prescribing diet changes, they just sell a bunch of 
pharmaceuticals to the person, right? And it becomes this parapharmaceutical model where it's like, oh, we don't want to put you on those, these pills, they're bad, but let's put you on these pills instead, right? And then the people never make the, 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 the key diet and lifestyle changes they need to make and, and they never really get any better, right? And maybe the, the drugs that they're on are less toxic, but they're still not getting the outcomes that they want. So, you know, I think there are you know, certain cases where certain supplements and certain situations are warranted, but for the most part, like uh, the only supplement I take is B12. And um, I, I feel that for the most part, they're unnecessary. And I don't feel that you can really adequately out supplement a bad diet. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Dr. Ben, as an end of this episode, I will start some sentences and I would like you to finish them just with a few words okay. and one sentence. Yes. So, the first one if if people want to be healthy healthy okay they must they must you know consume the the majority of their quantities from fruits and vegetables get eight hours of sleep a night exercise several times a week meditate daily and um you know have uh, build social connections with the people around them love it the first step to health is the first step to health is is taking action the biggest lie that we are told nowadays about health is the biggest lie that we're told about health is that that's something that a doctor does to you um and you're powerless without them versus it's something you do to yourself and your body has the ability to heal and an outside person or influence um actually doesn't um so the biggest lie we're told is that health or healing comes from externally onto us versus something we create internally. Mm-hmm. If I could change one thing in the world, it would be? One thing in the world, it would be. Oh, man. Oh. <laughs> I'd say um, we just plant a whole lot more fruit trees. Okay. And I really believe in? And I really believe in the body's innate ability to to heal itself. Thank you very much, Dr. Ben. And keep inspiring people for getting, for getting healthier. Thank you for this conversation. Thank you. Everything provided on this podcast is solely for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes. The information provided shall not be considered diagnostic, treatment of mental health conditions, therapy, or anything similar, and under any circumstances shall not replace medical or mental health treatment. The opinions of the host or guests are solely the views of the individuals and can be changed at any time.